Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. Ohioans March for Life. Ahead of a consequential vote on abortion, pro-lifers gathered in Columbus to witness for life. Plus, the black community in Ohio is speaking out against how adding pro-abortion language to the state's constitution would continue to compound crises for mothers and families. Sisters Saving Lives. We bring you our beautiful conversation with Sister of Life, Bethany Madonna. Recipients of a 2023 Live Action Life Award, the Sisters of Life currently serve women in some of our country's largest metro areas and on college campuses. Their sacrificial work has saved countless mothers and children and led many women to the sacraments. More than just diapers. The creative director of an up-and-coming pro-life diaper company sat down with us to share about the mission of every life. Kelly Crow unveils some disturbing facts about major diaper brands like Huggies and Pampers and shares how the team at Every Life is helping new families get the essentials they need. The people of Ohio came out in droves on October 6th for the 2023 March for Life in Columbus. This is the second year the event has been held in the state's capital. What does it say about a society? What does it say about our country when we tell young moms and young dads that everything comes before their own children? I, to, to all of my friends on the other side of this issue, I just got to say, if there's somebody out there telling you that what's in your best interest is to get rid of your own baby, they do not have your best interest at heart. They are not on your team. Among the speakers at the rally ahead of the march was Senator from Ohio, J.D. Vance. The march takes place just weeks before a make-or-break vote on Issue 1, a ballot initiative that has the potential to usher in extreme abortion policies and nullify the state's pro-life laws. Early in-person voting began this week in Ohio. And joining us now is Jeannie Mancini, president of the March for Life, who led the march in Columbus this past Friday. Jeannie, thank you so much for being here with us today. Describe the energy at this year's March for Life in Columbus for us. Well, thanks for having me, Prudence. I always just love to be a guest on your show. Um, you're doing such great work. Thank you. So it was palpable, as always. I would also say with a note of seriousness, that there was a, a bit of heaviness in the air, too. I think the people of Ohio know what is before them right now with this ballot initiative that they'll be voting on on November 7th. And um, so there was a, a lot of joy, a lot of energy, but a bit of a heaviness and intensity, too. Yeah. And speaking to that, obviously, the Ohioans that were marching in Columbus know what's at stake do you think the majority of Ohioans know what's at stake in a few weeks with this upcoming vote on issue one? And and talk to me a little bit more about how that was reflected at the march. Yeah, I, what I think a lot of people believe is that if issue one passes, that basically pre-Roe standards will be, um, I'm sorry, uh, pre-Dobbs standards, so kind of what Roe allowed in Ohio will be um, kind of brought back to right. where it was. But the reality is that if that ballot initiative issue one passes, the state constitution will go far beyond what Roe allowed in addition to um, allowing for some earlier 
abortions, it will also allow for painful late-term abortions up until the moment of birth and serious implications on safety and health standards for women and girls and parental rights. So it's hard to say um, about your average Ohioan and where they stand on this. I think that the people that we most need to target with educating about the truth about this ballot initiative are probably people that aren't um, necessarily pro-life, but they don't want late-term abortion in their state. Right. And from your point of view, Jeannie, how will the outcome of what happens in Ohio in just a few weeks impact the rest of the country, especially other states like Ohio, which are historically very pro-life and, and have pro-life laws on the books? Well, I think the serious implications um, are are real. <laughs> I think that there could be grave implications one way or the other on this. So um, just to take a step back and to talk for a minute about these ballot initiatives, uh, essentially, they take the question of public policy regarding pro-life protections out of the typical legislative process, and they place it into a much more grave process, of course, um, because amending the Constitution in a state has uh, a much more serious nature and essence than uh, passing a law or introducing a bill. Also, they're very expensive, and we're seeing special interest groups pour money into them, and they're hard and confusing to message on. So in Ohio, the language is incredibly gray, incredibly vague. And again, there's a lot of confusion over what this will and won't allow. Um, but really, the lawyers are telling us that this would allow for painful late-term abortions up until the moment of birth and, again, really eliminate parental rights, much less notifications when it comes to abortions and other um, reproductive surgeries, and decrease the bar on women's health when it comes to these same um, kinds of procedures. Yeah, that's really, really concerning. Thank you for laying that out. Jeannie, before I let you go, I know your State March for Life program has really grown over the past couple of years. What can we expect in terms of marches around the country in 2024? So while we're still uh, in the 2023 State March season, so on Monday, the 16th of October, we'll be back in Pennsylvania, uh, and then we'll be in Michigan in early November on the anniversary of the passage of their SAD ballot wow. initiative last year. Um, and then in 2024, we will have 16, we've had eight state marches in 2023, we will double to have 16 state marches in 2024. And our plan is to be in all 50 states over the course of the next five years or so. Praise God. Well, that is amazing to see how much your program has grown. Uh, it's proof that there is pro-life momentum here in the U.S., and we're so grateful for the work that you're continuing to do each and every day on this issue. Jeannie Mancini, president of the March for Life, as always, an honor to have you with us. Thanks so much, Prudence. In addition to the march in Ohio last week, we've seen lots of momentum from diverse groups of voters in the state on the issue of abortion. A coalition of black Ohio pastors released a letter asking Ohioans to think carefully about issue one. More than 100 pastors signed the letter, arguing that the black community has been the target of, abortion, of the abortion industry for decades. The letter goes on to say that while black Americans only make up 13 percent of the state's population, more than 40 percent of Ohio's abortions are performed on black women. The group says, we urge our fellow Christians, the black community, and all Ohioans who believe in the inherent value of every person to vote no on issue one this November. The 
future of our state, our society, and our race is at stake in this amendment, and we must protect them. As they were praying that second joyful mystery, and the woman had seen the picture of Mary and Elizabeth and read the little story, she said, my baby kicked. (laughs) And she started to cry. She knew that God was going to provide. And on a joyful note, a new series helps Catholics pray the rosary more deeply. Mysteries of the Rosary will guide viewers through all 20 mysteries. The Sorrowful Mysteries dropped during Lent of this year. And on October 7th, the Feast of the Rosary, media company Paradisus Dei released the Joyful Mysteries. Special guests provide personal insight into the mysteries, including Sister Faustina Maria Pia of the Sisters of Life. You can hear more from her and watch the series for free at the Rosary series.com. And on Friday, October 13th, the Church in the United States begins a special novena dedicated to praying for those vulnerable to abortion, euthanasia, and assisted suicide. This special nine-day prayer provides special reflections and acts of reparations. We encourage you to pray along with us for an end to abortion, and you can find the prayers at respectlife.org. We're not done yet with the Sisters of Life. We recently sat down with Sister Bethany Madonna at the Life Awards Gala. We have that conversation here for you right now. Sister Bethany Madonna, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's an honor to have you. Thank you, Prudence. It's a joy for me. Talk to me a little bit about the great work that the Sisters of Life are doing right now, especially after the overturn of Roe versus Wade, how your mission has expanded. Yeah, it truly has expanded. Uh, with all of the kind of upheaval and uh, this being in the news and this being on people's hearts and just a new fire has been kind of enkindled. So as Sisters of Life, we are contemplative active. So our first work is prayer. And um, what a joy it is to be able to let everything flow from our, our union with the Lord. So we pray about four hours every day, each sister. Uh, and then we have a variety of missions. We walk with women who are pregnant and vulnerable to abortion and in crisis pregnancies in several of our convents. Uh, We also have a house where pregnant women live with us in Manhattan. So um, we walk with them through their pregnancy and uh, beyond until the baby's about nine months old. Mm -hmm. And then we host retreats and we accompany college students on their campuses and we do a lot of evangelization. And we have a beautiful mission of hope and healing for those suffering after abortion uh, to be able to experience the Lord's mercy and New life. Yes. And you mentioned that you're based in Arizona right now, yes. serving a lot of college women yeah. in that new home. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the unique challenges that young women face, mm. especially if they find they're in an unplanned pregnancy or they're grappling between whether or not they should be pro-life um, yeah. or pro-abortion. Talk to me about, about that. So in Phoenix, we have two separate missions. We have a mission uh, to women who are pregnant and in crisis, and we have a mission of outreach on ASU's campus to the college women where we meet with the girls one-on-one and host women's nights of different topics and themes of the feminine heart. So as you're saying, this culture uh, does not encourage uh, maternity or uh, the flourishing of the feminine in, in the sense of honoring um, that, that gift that she has and the welcoming of children. So with the women on campus, we're able to really put forward their, their truest and deepest identity, uh, being beloved daughters, but being called to love and being called to the full, this expression of self-gift in maternity and um, being upheld in that. So just letting them remember they're not what they do or uh, their, their value isn't in how they perform, <laughs> but it really has to do with receiving the gift of their own lives and giving themselves as a gift mm-hmm. in their vocations, whatever God calls them to. 
And then in the pregnancy mission, yeah, so many women come to us pregnant, pressured to abortion uh, with appointments scheduled or with the pills uh, ready to go. And it's a miracle every time to watch them reach out like, is there a shard of hope for me? Is there another way? And does anyone believe in me? You know, because they've just been told so much um, about the easy way out or I won't help you or um, I'm, not, I'm not with you. And so to be able to step into that place and say, I see you and I believe in you and I trust that God wants someone else to experience your love because it's good. It's just a privilege to see them receive that and just walk in it in a new confidence. Mm. You know? I'm getting chills right now. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, sisters, so many women and people in general who are pro-abortion often have no faith as well. Mm. And sometimes it's hard for people of faith to reach those people if you don't have that common ground to begin with. What do you think... Um, could be done in terms of kind of building a bridge and, and sure. filling that gap. Sure. I think actually just starting with the human heart, so getting to know the person as they are, so maybe they're very staunchly for abortion because they've suffered one, or maybe they know someone who's suffered one, and maybe you're touching really close to home and that's causing a real f- defensiveness or fury or sorrow. Actually, you might be touching sorrow. Mm. So just to have a great compassion in the conversation and that it not be a debate and it not be about winning, that it really be about, tell me where your heart is. Tell me what, where, where your belief comes from. Tell me what your concerns are. And what's amazing is we can often meet in the middle with, we are concerned for women. And as Sisters of Life, we have this privileged place where we've walked with those who suffer after abortion. So to tell me that women are empowered by it or that they're freed by it or that it, it allows them to live their dreams... Uh, we've seen, we've just seen what happens to the feminine heart when abortion enters in, and it's very, very um, devastating and very crushing. And the sorrow and pain of that is just can't be denied. So being able to put forward that actually women deserve better, and uh, we want to provide for them. And what if your dreams could still come true, and this child is part of them? You know, and let's dream together, and let's see. So you don't even have to focus on faith. Um, and often the women who come to us, they might have no faith at all. And uh, one woman was really beautiful. She said, you know, my parents didn't baptize me, but if I have this baby, I'm going to baptize this baby. And we were like, oh, did you know that you could be baptized? And she was like, I could be baptized? And we were like, it was like the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, you're just like, yes, baptism's for you. And it just was this opening of, yeah, Something new is possible for me in the life of faith, and God somehow sees me because I'm, I've been brought here. So just being able to yeah, bring people into faith, sometimes in a more uh, covert way, if you will. Sister Bethany, thank you for being here. God bless you in your work. EWTN is always praying for you, and we're thank grateful you, for Prudence, you. Thank you, We're grateful to be with you. Coming up, a special discussion on how the Catholic Church helps mothers and fathers heal from pregnancy loss. Plus, a pro-life diaper company helps the entire family navigate new life and parenthood. We speak to a member of the team next. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to our program. As we continue through Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month, ceremonies have been held in states across the country, such as Kentucky, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Louisiana, to honor children lost through miscarriage and infant death, and to pay respects to their families. 
Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, legislation has been introduced in Congress known as the Caring for Grieving Families Act. The bill, if signed into law, would aim to alleviate some of the financial difficulties that come after losing a young child by requiring insurance companies to be transparent and minimize required expenses for families who experience miscarriage. The bipartisan legislation was introduced by Abigail Spanberger of Virginia, a pro-abortion member of Congress who supports codifying Roe v. Wade into law, and Marionette Miller-Meeks of Iowa, who also recently introduced a bill that would expand access to contraception. Joining me now is Dr. Abby Jorgensen. She's an assistant professor of sociology and healthcare ethics at St. Louis University. She's also a bereavement doula. Dr. Jorgensen, thank you for being here today. Talk to us about your work as a bereavement doula. You welcome fa help families uh, welcome life into the world, but you also help them say goodbye to their young children. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. As a bereavement doula, I get to do what we think of a lot of doulas as doing, walking with families through pregnancy, through birth and through postpartum. But as a bereavement doula, I do that when the baby has passed away or is likely to pass away shortly after birth. So through in situations of miscarriage, stillbirth and infant loss. I get to provide families with physical, emotional, informational, and advocacy support through some of the hardest moments of their lives. And it's an honor that I get to do that. That's beautiful. And um, as we spoke about before, there's legislation on the Hill that's aimed at helping uh, families go through this. It was introduced by members of Congress who are not necessarily pro-life, but they understand that this is a need. One thing that some don't really think about is the medical bills and the logistics that parents might face in the midst of grieving the loss of their baby. Can you speak to how insurance companies and medical facilities treat parents that are in this situation? Absolutely. I think they often have the protocol in place that applies to many other different situations. And that means that it's not necessarily grief informed. And that's something that I really work to, to use in my practice, that many healthcare providers are working to use in their practices, grief-informed language, grief-informed practice. And what we see is bills coming to families who have had a miscarriage or a stillbirth or even an infant loss that they didn't expect. Some families don't know they're going to get charged for that ER visit or for that ultrasound where they found out that their baby's heartbeat just wasn't there anymore. So it's hard enough to open up that bill and have that surprise. But then also more and more providers are pushing for grief-informed language on those bills. For example, spontaneous abortion is the technical term that is used in a case of miscarriage. So when someone gets a bill, it's not only a bill for the day they found out their baby died. It's a bill that says spontaneous abortion. Yeah. And that type of language is really hard for lost parents to hear. So there's more and more push from providers, from doulas, from lost families, for insurance companies to reconsider that the protocols they had in place may not work in situations of miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to see that there's that common understanding, even among people who may disagree vehemently on other topics, that the current system is just not working for lost families. Yeah, that's really encouraging to hear that work is being done about that. Um, Dr. Jorgensen, I'm curious, how are fathers affected by miscarriage? What resources are available in particular for them? Absolutely. So fathers are mourning the loss of a child. It's often very different when they're not the person who's also giving birth to the child. Sure. So they're caught in a strange space of being very intimately a part of the experience and also not having the same experience as mothers. And for that reason, we see, even though there are so few resources for anyone, we do see more resources for lost moms. 
There are a couple of great resources for lost dads, though. The book Grief of Dads just came out from Ave Maria Press, and that tells many dads' stories. And I think it really helps dads feel less alone, know that the questions that they might have, even about their faith or their manliness, the fact that they cried at the loss of their baby, right? These stories really show what a common experience grief is and how dads can come together over that. Or other places like Bereaved Parents Community Group, which I run, are open for dads to talk about their experience and to share that with others in real time and get that assurance that they are, in fact, not alone. Mm, that's encouraging. Uh, Dr. Jorgensen, I'm curious about your take on how the Catholic Church helps families grieve the loss of little ones and what we could potentially be doing better as a church to support families through pregnancy loss. Absolutely. This is something that I honestly found very disheartening when I started this work many years ago, mm. realizing that it wasn't always clear whether there were resources for someone uh, in the Catholic Church or in their local parish or diocese, realizing that even when it was clear, sometimes the information was outdated or people were trying to provide something but didn't really know what to provide. And I'm really grateful to see over the years more and more folks dedicated to the effort of making sure we have support for lost families in the Catholic Church. Right now, I'm working with a team of graduate and undergraduate research assistants to pull together all the different resources available to families in the U.S. Because if a family is looking for what's my Catholic church offer, what does my Catholic diocese offer, mm. sometimes that information is on a different page than they expect. Some dioceses have that on an NFP page. Others have that on a funerals page, right? And when you're in grief, the last thing you want is to have to search through the church right. to find out what the church can offer you. So that idea of doulas or research projects, bringing that information to lost families, that's a really important part of how I've approached loss support in the Catholic Church. We have so many great pastoral leaders, and I think a lot of times those people want to help, but they just don't know how. Mm -hmm. So getting more information into their hands is the second way that I'm really working to make sure that the amazing resources we have are clear to families. That's wonderful. Well, we're so grateful for the work that you're doing to ensure that these parents, these families are not alone. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Abby Jorgensen of St. Louis University. God bless you and your work. Thank you so much. To close out our program, we give you a special look at a new company that seeks to support the whole family. Every Life provides premium diapers and baby wipes, all while supporting parents in need and pregnancy centers. We recently sat down with the company's creative director, who shares what Every Life has been up to since it launched in July. I'm here with Kelly Crow. She's the chief creative officer of Every Life Diaper Company. Kelly, thank you for being here with me today. It is a pleasure to be here. Talk to me about Every Life Diaper, Diaper Company. It's unique to other diaper companies that we know about. Talk to me about how you got your start. Well, Every Life is such a wonderful diaper company, and it is such a privilege to be a part of it. At Every Life, we believe that every baby is a miracle, and that regardless of the baby's background, the socioeconomic status, even the circumstances of conception, that every baby is a miracle from God mm. that deserves to be loved, protected, and supported. And that's what we do. That's our mission. And we are on a mission just to be a diaper company that, that embraces life and that gives people an alternative out there, a wonderful baby brand that truly loves babies. And I think that really sets us apart. Yeah, that's beautiful. And when you were getting your start, you learned some things about Huggies, Pampers, these other big diaper brands. Talk to me about what you discovered. We did. We, we came across some things that were very disheartening, um, sobering even, 
Uh, when you look at diaper companies such as Huggies that is manufactured by Kimberly and Clark, you find that as early as two decades ago, they were matching employee contributions to Planned Parenthood. Mm. You look at Pampers and Loves that is manufactured by Procter & Gamble, and you find out that those two diaper companies, that organization of Procter & Gamble, is you know, actively paying for their employees to travel for abortions. Um, even the newcomers on the scene, uh, Coterie, Hello Bello, and The Honest Company, when, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, you know, they, they vocally lamented the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We just find that um, just unthinkable. Yeah. Unthinkable to think that you would advocate for the destruction of sweet, innocent life. Yeah, I'm sure it's a surprise to so many, especially because these, these corporations are tasked with creating something that's so essential for babies. You know, how do you think that Huggies and these big corporations kind of got tied up with the abortion industry? How, how did that even begin? That's a really good question, and I think a lot of it is what is happening in corporate America and just the direction that we are taking in corporate America with a lot of the equity programs and just a lot of the DEI and, and things like that that is really driving corporations to make some decisions that really don't even make sense, that really are very much against even their clientele, to think that we're at a point in society where a baby company that loves babies would think that it's okay to advocate for the destruction of human life. I think, it's a, I think it has been a very um, slow but slippery slope mm. that has happened over time in America, but I think we're seeing it speed up. You know, it's really ramping up now, mm -hmm. and that's why we are so thankful and excited and honored to be on the scene. Uh, today, we are one of the fastest-growing diaper companies in America. Wow. We just launched in July, and uh, just the response has been amazing. And just yesterday, I was in the airport, and I was sitting there working before I came here to this conference, and someone said, excuse me, are you with a diaper company? And I looked up. And I said, yes. And she said, I'm Catholic, and I just heard about the diaper company, and I am so excited. You know, I'm pregnant with my third baby, and I plan on using Every Life diapers. And it was just really encouraging to hear people begin to learn about what we're doing and yes. our mission to protect and celebrate life. And it's amazing how fast you're growing. I mean, you just started some months ago, and people yes. are already recognizing you in airports. That's yes. fantastic. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. It was um, a privilege. Yeah. So... It's clear that you guys aren't just giving moms and babies a diaper. You know, you are encouraging them to choose life and helping them in those first days, first months. Talk to me about the ways that you're really providing the essentials for moms and babies and, and families. Sure, sure. So what I will tell you is that, you know, we are so much more than a diaper and wipes company. Um, we will talk about the fact at some point that our diapers are premium. They're high-performing. They are fantastic diapers. When you're looking for a great diaper. This is a great diaper. You're not going to be cutting corners on this diaper, but it's also at an affordable price point. That being said, we're so much more than a diaper company. We really believe that we are building a community. We are joining the larger pro-life movement, and we are locking arms with all these organizations that are standing with life. And the way that we really do that is that we partner with pregnancy resource centers in urgent need, and when we find out that there is a need and someone contacts us and they are in an underserved area, we ship them diapers. We want moms 
you know, one of the primary reasons that mothers choose abortion is because they're concerned about providing for their babies. Right. And we, if there's something that we can do to help with diapering, we're going to do it. We also have a Buy for a Cause program, and our Buy for a Cause program allows people, whether you have babies or not, to come to our website, purchase diapers for a cause, and then we will donate those diapers to the organizations of need. Mm -hmm. Most recently, we donated 140,000 diapers uh, to Maui following the wildfires. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we want to stand in the gap. We really want to be a part of the solution. That's wonderful news. Well, I have loved speaking with you and you. talking about this business. I, I really admire the work that you're doing. Thank, Thank you for you. joining me today, You're Kelly. so welcome. Thank you for having us. Of course. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Don't forget, you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, Twitter, now X, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. And if you're interested in more news from our nation and world, go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life and sign up for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Pulse. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.